Blog Talk Radio. It comes, but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bomb pave the way, predicting the names Kamish would say, Drastic's watching every day. Seven rounds of fun. Whether it's Mr. Irrelevant or number one. It's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast, brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Ed Valentine from Big Blue View to try to get a handle on what the Giants might be thinking with the number 10 overall pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. So, Ed, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I'm starting to work on a new mock draft, and I'm having a little bit of trouble with the Giants. I think they might be the most difficult team to get a read on in the top 10. Uh, there's just so many different ways they could go. So I thought the best way to do this would be you maybe identify their major needs, talk about the type of players they look for, and I'll maybe try to find a fit in terms of a prospect in that 10 range. So, uh, of course, lots of news uh, in recent days where they're kind of releasing a lot of veterans and, and creating even more holes than there were. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you know, in terms of in terms of actually clarifying the picture – I'm not sure I'm actually going to end up helping you here because I have said all along that I really think that what the Giants need, you can look at their roster and you can make an argument that they need an upgrade in talent at pretty much every position except quarterback. So you can really you can really spin an argument for pretty much whoever you want at that spot. I mean, that said, obviously over the years, the Giants have tendencies. Jerry Reese is still their general manager and defense, I would think still has to be a priority, you know, considering that, that they were worst in the league last year. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, we might not be able to narrow it down to the exact player, but maybe we can at the very least eliminate some players that, that, that some feel might be in the discussion that maybe aren't a good fit or, or narrow it down a little bit at the very least. So with things standing as they are, and, and as we record this, who all do they release today, Ed? They release Will Beatty, uh, John Beeson. Uh, they're kind of clearing the house and, and, and not, not rebuilding, but, but starting over to a large degree. But, but what would you say is their number one need right now? Well, let's touch on the guys they released. They let go of Jeff Schwartz, and they let go of um, Will Beatty, which obviously you know, makes the rebuilding of their offensive line you know, more of a priority than it might have been. So, you know, so that still has to be in the picture. But you know, for the most part, you're looking at a need on offense for a playmaker especially a number two wide receiver. You know, I would look for a big guy, uh, somebody that can play on the outside, uh, because I don't think they're going to be keeping uh, Reuben Randall. You know, he's been so up and down, so inconsistent. And obviously you can't count on anything from Victor Cruz going forward. I'm sure that they'll restructure a contract with him bring him back and give him a chance. 
But if you're looking at offense, you know, maybe you're looking at a tackle for the second straight year. Um, or if you're looking at offense, you're probably looking at a big, you know, playmaking wide receiver out on the outside. Well, let's look at the offensive tackle position. And, of course, like you said, Eric Flowers was their first-round pick a year ago, went 10 overall. What, what, what's kind of your thoughts on him after his rookie season? Where, where do you think he stands? Do you think they're going to keep him on the left side? Do you think he's going to make the move back to right? Are they uh, fungible depending on who they draft? Or, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is are, are they looking for a left tackle or a right tackle or either? I would think that they're looking for a right tackle, to be honest with you. I think that the – when they drafted Flowers, they felt like he was a left tackle. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit early to draft Flowers. They sort of forced him into the left tackle position last year because of the injury to Will Beattie. But I think that the the indication that they see him as a long-term left tackle comes with the news today that they are releasing Beattie, um, you know, and that they'll commit to Flowers on the left side. You know, he struggled a year ago in 2015, but if you look at the history of, of rookie left tackles, it it almost never seems to be very pretty. So we will see, you know, what happens with Flowers. I like him a lot. I like his professionalism. I like his work ethic. I like his his attitude, his demeanor. He really wants to be a very good player. He wants to be a good teammate. You know, he wants to win games. You know, the, the question with Flowers is still the same one that came when he was drafted is, will his technique develop? Will his footwork develop? Will his handwork develop? Everything else is there for him to be a very good player for a long time. Well, and, and with the news of the recent releases, that's kind of what had me rethinking my initial impressions of the Giants and, and maybe putting Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame or Taylor Decker from Ohio State in the conversation for them more so than it would have been maybe a week ago. Uh, and, and I think there is a chance Stanley could be there. And even if he's not, I think Decker would be a, a good fit as well. And I think Decker is more highly thought of than, than most realize. And I think he's going to be a top half of the first round type of talent. Would it be a slight reach at 10? Maybe, but that means there was an early run on tackles, too. So uh, the, the, the guy I was initially leaning toward for the Giants was a guy on offense, actually, with Ezekiel Elliott running back from Ohio State as that, uh, that playmaker. And, and I understand it's tough to take a running back that early, especially when you're the Giants. You have a ton of needs. But I just think Elliott is by far the top running back prospect in this draft. And I just think he would make a world of difference for that Giants offense, uh, a guy who's not only a great inside and outside runner, but can catch the ball in the backfield, can block. I just think he would take so much pressure off the offensive line, off the quarterback, off the wide receivers. So I kind of was thinking Ezekiel Elliott there. If they were going to go offense, do you think they would lean more towards a tackle like Stanley or Decker or a running back like Elliott? Well, the Ezekiel Elliott argument is a really interesting one, and I come at that with a bias, to be honest with you. I'm of the school of thought that that if you're going to draft a running back in the first round, especially in the top half of the first round, you better be getting an Adrian Peterson-type guy. You better be getting a superstar. You better be getting you know what Todd Gurley became last year, because you can get you know, good running backs later on, 
you know, we see with the Giants, they have a a group of, I guess what you'd almost call at this point, pedestrian running backs. And certainly you can make a, a great argument for Elliott. And it wouldn't shock me if they took him, especially since they just hired Ben McAdoo as the head coach. And, you know, he comes from, from an offensive background. I just, I look at this team and I think, They've been trying for years now to settle that offensive line. Uh, they thought maybe they had done that last year when they when they picked Eric Flowers, you know. But then they had injuries, and now they've had to let two guys go. So it wouldn't shock me if they took a stab at at stabilizing that offensive line one more time, you know, with the tenth pick. But you can certainly make an argument for Elliott. I just. I just almost think of of running back at that point as almost a luxury pick, and I don't see the Giants in in the position to really make you know what you might call a luxury pick. Well, and, and I'm we're of the same mind on the running back position. As much as I like Elliott, I wouldn't draft him in the first round either. Uh, but I, I just think he he could be a fit simply because, like you mentioned, offensive minded head coach taking over. I think he understands what a difference Elliott would make to that offense uh, for for everybody. Uh, So I I think he's got to be in the discussion, especially because the Giants have recently used a first-round pick on a running back. David Wilson was a late first-rounder. Of course, that didn't work out due to injuries, but it's not like they're completely adverse to making a significant investment in the running back position. But uh, let's let's kick it over to the other Go ahead. No, I I was just going to say I agree and I think, as I said at the at the top, I think you almost have to be open to anything with the Giants at this point. It's just for me personally, you know, the running back wouldn't be my first choice. Let's kick it to the other side of the ball and talk some defense. And realistically, they could use reinforcements on all three levels. Uh, at this point, we'll see how uh, the coming months and free agency play out. I'm sure they'll address some of them. Uh, through that avenue, but but one I think I can rule out for number ten right away is cornerback. Uh, of course, they're in danger of losing Prince of Mukamara, so you can make an argument for corner if that happens. But I just think the players that are going are gonna to be there at ten don't fit for what the aren't fit for what the Giants want. They want the taller uh, corners and the guys that would be in the running there. Vernon Hargraves, the third from Florida, Mackenzie Alexander from Clemson. They're both in that five ten range. I don't see them being options. Of course, Jalen Ramsey from Florida State is going to be long gone by 10. Maybe they could reach a little bit for Eli Apple from Ohio State, but but overall, if they do lose Prince of Mucamara, I don't think they're going to find their replacement for him at number 10. Okay, so if you're, you know, if we're basically taking the defensive backfield, you know, out of the equation, if you're taking Hargraves and you're taking Ramsey and and whoever else you know, would be in that conversation. If You know, if you're taking them out of the picture, then we have the classic Jerry Reese question. We know that the Giants love their defensive linemen, especially their defensive ends, um, and this shapes up as a draft where there should be some of those guys available at 10. You know, the Giants had a an awful pass rush in 2015, it needs to be supplemented. You know, but the other issue that the Giants had is actually in covering the middle of the field, in getting any production from their linebackers. 
and and you know if you follow the Giants, you know that their history is that they they try to band-aid the linebacker position. They haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since 1984. Um, yeah. You know, and my question at this point would be, you have guys like Miles Jack who, you know, you'll probably tell me that Jack should probably be gone by number 10, you know, but even if he's gone, you may have Jalen Smith, you may have Reggie Ragland there. And, you know, the question becomes, would Jerry Reese actually take a linebacker? I think I would love to see it because they really could use help at that level of their defense. But if you if you go by Reese's history and the Giants' history, if they go defense, they'll probably go best defensive lineman available. Well, let's talk about the two linebackers. And the two guys that would be in the discussion there are Jalen Smith from Notre Dame and Miles Jack from UCLA and uh, as you mentioned, it seems like for a decade or more now, we've been mocking linebackers to the Giants in the first round, but they just, for one reason or another, do not place a priority on that position to make that type of investment. But just because they haven't doesn't mean they never, ever will. It was the first time for everything, and uh, boy, I, I have to think that even they would be tempted if uh, uh, Jalen Smith or Miles Jack were still on the board at 10. Although I think with Jalen Smith, because of the nature of his injury and the timetable of his rehab where he might not be available for the first half of the season. I'm not so sure if Jerry Reese is going to have the the job security and the patience to to basically uh, redshirt his first round pick for at least half a season. Whereas Miles Jack is much further along. I think he'd be uh, ready to play sooner and and maybe even a better fit for what they want. Especially uh, as you mentioned, if they're looking for somebody who can be a factor in coverage, Miles Jack is incredible. He's basically a defensive back playing linebacker and. Uh, you would not have to worry about him if even if he got matched up on a slot receiver or a wideout, you could you could get away with that if you have Miles Jack. It's just a matter of, and, and I think he could be there. It's a matter of if let's say Miles Jack is there, do you think the Giants would finally make that investment, or are they just philosophically opposed to using a top ten overall pick on the linebacker position? Well, I don't know if they're opposed to it. You know, my thinking. And Jerry Reese has never really confirmed it, but for the most part, I think that that the Giants have looked at linebacker as a position where guys don't play every down, where they rotate guys in and out, guys play two downs, or they play one down based on run versus pass, and they simply haven't you know, been able to make that or, or been willing to make it a priority. I'm with you. I think there's a there's a first time for everything. I mean, I used to think that uh that the Giants, you know, basically ignored the safety position, you know, and, and after a while that changed. So, the way the game is changing, I think that you have to change along with it. You have to have faster linebackers. You have to have guys who can cover. I mean, if you look at it in 2015, I think the Giants were the worst team in the league covering the tight end. And that had a lot to do with their linebacker play. If if Miles Jack is sitting there uh, at number 10, um, I think you have to think long and hard about, you know, finally, finally, you know, taking a linebacker, you know, with your first overall pick. Yeah, I agree. I think they have to at least consider it. 
Uh, if they do go defense, though, I have a feeling it would be along the defensive line where they could conceivably use help at, at both end and tackle. Um, Jonathan Hankins has turned into a heck of a player for them, but Jason Pierre-Paul's future is up in the air. Robert Ayers is a free agent as well. Colin Jenkins. Uh, so what do you think is more a priority? you think it's the, the outside pass rush more than the, the interior defensive tackle? Well, that would be the Giants' history. You know, to uh, to take the edge pass rusher um, first, um, you know, more than the linebacker, you know, more than, you know, pretty much anyone else. If if that edge pass rusher, you know, is available, and that, you know, it depends. I think you and I have had this conversation. Do we consider, you know, DeForest Buckner from Oregon to be that guy? I kind of think that Buckner is a guy that, that checks off a lot of boxes for Jerry Reese simply because they can move him around. He's a physical kind of a freak, you know, where, you know, Jerry, Jerry says things like we don't draft gymnasts or we don't draft track stars. And then he does things like draft David Wilson or draft Jason Pierre Paul. Um, You know, Jerry loves his guys with, you know, freakish sort of measurables and you know, and Buckner, you know, fills a lot of those boxes. Um, you know, I'm not sure who's going to be available at ten. If you wanted to make a chalk pick for the Giants at this point, I would say the chalk would have to be a defensive end. Well, and I totally agree, and I'm glad you made that point about Jerry Reese and then kind of the Giants' preference for size speed prospects. Uh, I, I think if you look at their history, by and large the guys they draft have uh, have pretty good measurables for their positions. Uh, Eric Flowers last year is another example of that. Uh, but it, I, I, DeForest Buckner, as you said, very good chance he's probably not even going to be there at 10 anyways. If he was, I think that's exactly the type of player the Giants like, even though he might not be a double, routinely a double-digit sack guy. He's going to be a very good, versatile, all-around player although I don't think he gets to 10. And, and that's where I think it gets tricky for the Giants. If Buckner is gone, who would be plan B at that position? And I'm not as, as enthused about some of their options as, as maybe some are. And I think the guy who has a lot of buzz right now is Noah Spence from Eastern Kentucky. And uh, nobody questions his talent. He legitimately deserves to go in the top 10 overall based on his talent and uh, maybe the best pure pass rusher in this draft. But the off-the-field character issues – I don't think the Giants are going to go down that route. I think that's another common commonality you've seen from their draft picks in recent years is high character. And uh, when they did deviate from that with DeMontre Moore, it kind of burned them. So I, I just don't see them going Noah Spence there. You see Shaq Lawson from Clemson mentioned a lot. And Shaq Lawson is a, a very good player. He's a nice player. I don't think he's top 10 overall material. Uh, although some would have said the same thing about Eric Flowers. Uh, Shaq Lawson, I think he's going to be a really good 4-3 defensive end. Uh, he's going to play the, both the run and pass effectively, but he's not going to be a double-digit sack guy. He's not going to be an impact. He's not going to have a, ever going to have the type of impact Von Miller had in the Super Bowl. He's not that type of player. I think the guy who kind of fits the Giants' blueprint the best is Emmanuel Ogba from Oklahoma State. I think he's a Giants type of defensive end. He's big. He's got those long arms. He's rangy. Almost reminds you of Jason Pierre-Paul to a certain degree, although 10 might be a little early. So, if they want to go with the defensive end, I'm not sure the options at 10 are going to be great. So uh, I guess I'm interested just to hear your thoughts on those guys I talked about. 
Well, it's interesting, you know, too, because, you know, I've seen the same thing where Agba tends to fit the physical characteristics and a lot of things that they like, but, you know, but a lot of people seem to think he's a, a second half of the, of the first round, you know, type of, of selection at this point. I would agree with you about Noah Spence because Spence Everybody seems to believe he's top half of the first round, maybe top 10 talent, maybe, and some some people think he's top five talent. But when you think about it, one of the things that the Giants have tried in the last couple of years, I think it was two years ago, every player they drafted was a captain on his college team. And again, last year, character was very important for the Giants. I don't know how much that changes with Ben McAdoo as head coach, you know, instead of Tom Coughlin. Although, to be honest with you, I don't think it changes very much. I think that, uh, you know, that Spence has the talents that the Giants would look for, but I think that's a huge risk for them at, at 10. So, I think you might be able to, to, to speak to this more than I can, but I find 10 to be almost an awkward spot for the Giants because some of the targets they might want will be gone at that point. And as you said, some of the, the guys who fit, you know, like Agba or, you know, maybe a cornerback or, or, you know, one of those guys would actually be considered, you know, guys that should be selected later. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. They're kind of in no man's land at 10 for their needs, and, and I, I think they're going to have that kind of classic conundrum of do we draft for talent, the best player on the board, or do we try to address a need with maybe a, a lesser player? And uh, so at one more position I want to talk about is defensive tackle. Um, I, I think this is a little further down the list, but they could be looking at their choice of all the defensive tackles, whether it be Ashawn Robinson from Alabama, Jaron Reed from Alabama, uh, Sheldon Rankins from Louisville, Robert Kimdichie from Ole Miss. Uh, so I guess my question for you is, where do you kind of rate defensive tackle in their pecking order priorities, and, and what type of player do you think they're going to be looking for at that position? Well, I think that when I look at defensive tackle, when I look at defensive end, I think that what they're looking for, you know, plain and simple, are some impact players in their front seven. They just really don't have enough, or you can really make an argument that they don't have any. So if the best impact player there, you know, that's a front seven guy, if the best impact player is a defensive tackle, then I think they have to consider that. Um, Again, you know, when you look at the, the tackles that are on the board, you know, do any of those tackles actually make sense at 10 or would they be, you know, guys that that you'd look at and say it's a little bit too early for him. So are they in no man's land again even if you're talking about defensive tackle? Yeah, to a certain degree, although I'm not quite as high on Ashawn Robinson as some are. He's a very good player, but uh I I'm just I just don't know if I see the impact ability from him that some do, but but yeah, it's tough, and this is kind of a tough year for defensive line in the top half of the first round, really, um, just you know, because Giants, you're going to see. The, yeah, go ahead. The sweet spot for the Giants in the defensive tackle spot the last few years has been second, third round. Um, you know, Jay Bromley, 
Jonathan Hankins, Linval Joseph a few years ago, even uh, even you know going as far back as Marvin Austin in the second round. So if you look at the way they've done things in the past, it's been second, third round, pretty much second day for that spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see that sort of a pick again. That's an excellent, excellent point. And, and defensive tackle might be the strongest position in this draft. And and I said, I, I truly believe that a guy that some people have at one point in this process talked about as a first-round defensive tackle is going to be available on day three. It's that deep. And uh, for those who haven't heard me give the stat before, on average there's about nine defensive tackles taken in the early rounds, rounds one through three the last decade. I currently have 14 in my top 100, so it's a well above average class. So that's a really good point. And based on the Giants' track record, it does seem to be uh, beyond the first round where they look to address that. So the last thing I wanted to do, Ed, is I went through and kind of made a pecking order based on my overall rankings of of these prospects that we've talked about. And I'm just going to list them off quick and then get your take on if that's the Giants draft board, what what do you think it would be? What do you think would be their preference, their their best option at 10? So number one sure. on my board would be Jalen Smith, uh, linebacker from Notre Dame. He's number five overall. Number two, Miles Jack, linebacker UCLA, number six overall. Number three, DeForest Buckner, defensive lineman from Oregon, number seven overall. Four, Ronnie Stanley, offensive tackle Notre Dame, nine overall. Ten, or excuse me, five, Ezekiel Elliott, running back from Ohio State. He's number 10 overall on my board. Number six, Taylor Decker, offensive tackle from Ohio State. He's number 15 on my board. And finally, number seven, Ashawn Robinson, defensive tackle from Alabama, number 18. So of the options we kind of discussed, that's my top seven. If that's the board they're looking at, what what do you think would be the ideal scenario for the Giants? Because I think they're all somewhat realistic options. Uh, Some of them might be gone, but I think a good chunk of that group is going to be available. What, What do you think their game plan would be if that's what they're looking at? Well... Again, I think that uh, for me at this point in the the study that I've been able to do, the guy that seems to fit them the best, the guy out of that group that that I would absolutely have the hardest time passing on is Miles Jack. Um, I just think he he checks off so many boxes for them in terms of athleticism, um, speed, ability to cover, ability to tackle, you know, some ability to rush the passer, I think that would be the guy, you know, that I, that I would look at and say, you know, if, if they were to pass on him, you know, I'd, I'd shake my head and wonder what Jerry Reese was thinking. Um, you know, the, the other one that I keep coming back to, um, if he's there, you know, if, for example, Jack is off the board, I keep coming back to Buckner just because, as I said, I think he checks off so many of the boxes that uh, that Jerry Reese seems to look at. You know, he's not your classic, you know, bend-the-edge pass rusher, but the NFL is actually moving toward, you know, so many two-man lines, so many, you know, three-man lines, four, three under, guys moving in, guys moving out, you know, guys standing up, you know, and, and Buckner seems to have the ability to, at least in spots, do all of those things. So, out of that list, I think those would be the two guys I would put right at the top. Awesome insight, Ed. I, I know you helped me a lot. And I'm sure you helped the listeners kind of clarify their thoughts on the Giants. Uh, before I let you go, though, I want to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can read and follow you. 
You can uh, you can read BigBlueView.com. We're there every day. A few posts a day during the off season, and you can uh, you can also follow us at Big Blue View on Facebook and, and Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, every couple of weeks, uh, Pat Trana from Bleacher Report and myself have our own little podcast that we do called Big Blue Chat, uh, which is available through Podbean. And uh, you can check that out as well. And hopefully, Scott, hopefully we'll have you on uh, on our show sometime before the draft. It would be my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much again. And thanks for having me. All right, take care. And once again, I want to thank Ed Valentine from a Big Blue View. Uh, definitely check him out for all your Giants information needs. Uh, I And with that, I'm going to call it a show. I want to thank everybody so much for listening and remind you to be sure to subscribe to Draft Countdown to get the latest episodes as soon as they are available. And as always, there are 77 days, 22 hours, 31 minutes, and 13 seconds left until the 2016 NFL Draft. Tick tock.